Welcome to the Inside Scoop. I am your host, Josh Newberg. Another crazy weekend of college football, and there is also plenty of recruiting developments as well this weekend. So let's get right into it. We are going to bring on on three national recruiting analyst Chad Simmons for some Simmons Scoop. What's up, Chad? How you doing? Doing great, Josh. How about yourself? I am doing awesome. Um, we want to, first of all, it's Monday, so we kind of want to recap what we talked about last week. Keon Keeley, big-time five-star edge rusher. He was in Gainesville for the weekend along with Roderick Kearney. Tell me about those two visits and how they went with the Florida Gators. Yeah, starting with Keeley, obviously one-time Notre Dame commit from right there in Tampa, Florida. And uh, the five-star edge was there for the game Saturday night, uh, left the stadium after the game, but then came back on Sunday for a little bit deeper visit with the coaching staff, uh, spent more time with his family on campus, uh, and, and really positive vibes coming out of what I've heard so far from that visit. Again, Keeley's very tight-lipped, but based on a couple of sources that are around that Florida campus, things went really well with the family, really well with Keon Keeley. Then with Kearney, another guy still committed to Florida State, interior offensive lineman from right up there at Orange Park outside of Jacksonville. And he was back for the second week in a row. This time showed up on campus with a Florida Gator shirt on, cheering on the Gators as well. Uh, still, I'm hearing a lot of buzz, a lot of momentum behind the scenes for the University of Florida. Although Kearney is committed to Florida State, the, the school with the most buzz around it still is the University of Florida. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, we know that Florida State offensive line coach Alex Atkins attended Roderick Kearney's game on Friday night. Now, Kearney hasn't come out. He hasn't decommitted. He did get on uh, social media and say that, you know, he's he's enjoying his recruitment. What do you think is going to happen over the next week or two? Do you think that Roderick Kearney solidifies with, with Florida State? Or do you think there's a chance that this thing opens up completely? Yeah, I, I don't think he solidifies with FSU until I think things open back up. Now, I don't, I don't think FSU goes away. I think his best relationship remains with, as you mentioned, Alex Atkins. I mean, he's a great recruiter, great people skills, really connects with Kearney. Uh, but I do think Kearney has high interest in the University of Florida. Uh, I know FSU is hoping to get him back into Tallahassee uh, for a game later on this month. Uh, will anything happen between now and then? I mean, Kearney avoided all media when he left the swamp Saturday evening. So uh, I don't think he wants to speak too much on his recruitment right now. Uh, to me, in this business, I think that's pretty much, I would say, bad news for Florida State and maybe good news for University of Florida. All right. Well, the Gators also had a pair of four-star defensive backs on campus. Tell us about Dijon Johnson out of Florida and Bryce Thornton out of Georgia. Uh, two players, Josh, I like Florida for at the moment. I think Dijon, obviously, one time Ohio State commit, four-star cornerback from right there in Tampa, Wharton High School, uh, has visited the Swamp numerous times in the last couple of months. He was back uh, for a second game of the season. He plans to be back for the LSU game. Uh, he may be back even before then. He's a guy that's gotten very comfortable at the University of Florida. They've done a great job with him. Corey Raymond, Patrick Tony, numerous off the field staff members involved as well. And I think Miami's working hard to get him on campus. Ohio State still tried to be in communication, but this one still looks to be uh, trending heavily uh, to the University of Florida. I can say really the same thing 
about about Bryce Thornton, out of state kid, Milton High School in the state of Georgia, uh, really down to Alabama and Florida. He has OV set to both schools next month. Uh, Florida should have the last one of those two. I think a decision comes in the late October, or early November. Uh, again, Patrick Tony, Corey Raymond, uh, again involved with Thornton. There, I, I know he's very high on the University of Florida's board. Uh, I think they're recruiting him harder at the moment than Alabama. Again, never can count out a school like Alabama, but Johnson and Thornton, two guys I see trending towards the Gators. Interesting. Uh, the a major need for UF in the 2023 cycle is the defensive line. And one prospect that they were on early is, is interior defensive lineman John Walker. Now, John Walker committed to UCF earlier this summer, but it seems like the Gators are still involved, and he showed up at the game this weekend against Kentucky. What's going on with John Walker and UF? Yeah, it is a big need up front defensive line for him, Josh, for sure. Done a good job, I think, too, with guys like Kelby Collins in Alabama, Cameron James in their own state, Will Norman uh, from IMG as well. So they're off to a great start on the defensive line. And they, they would love to add a guy like John Walker, a four-star D tackle uh, from right there in Osceola, not too far from Gainesville. Uh, they happen to be off this week, Osceola. So we went to the UCF game when they, they fell to Louisville on Friday. They ended up at the Swamp on Saturday for the Kentucky contest. And this will not be his last visit to the University of Florida. He's likely to take an OV to Florida at some point this fall, maybe the LSU weekend. He mentioned to me that he'd like to be at the Georgia-Florida neutral site game in Jacksonville as a Florida recruit. Uh, so a lot happening here. He spent some time with the coaching staff after the visit. He's been in contact with Coach Spence or D-line coach there as well, uh, really since he committed uh, to the University of Central Florida. And even at that point, Florida was not a finalist for John. It was UCF, Ohio State, Miami, and Michigan, not the University of Florida. So Florida now has come up from maybe that fifth or sixth spot and become a main competitor for UCF. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if they can flip him later on. But it does seem like UCF is doing enough to keep him committed. Um, let's go over to Jacksonville. There's another highly touted interior defensive lineman named Jordan Hall. Um, he popped up in Gainesville. Now, Jordan kind of keeps things close to the vest, but what are you hearing on his recruitment after this trip? Yeah, he's good at keeping people guessing, kind of wondering what's next for him. I mean, the kid still has not taken one official visit yet. There's still none set up yet. Uh, he's a mid-year guy, so uh, you know they're going to happen at some point if he takes all five, if he takes two, three, four, who knows? Right now, I do think Florida, if he does take OVs first, Florida will get one. They've been uh, an in-state school in a good position from really from the get-go. They offered him last summer and got involved fairly early um, with Hall, and he was on campus. Getting him on campus anytime it is a win because he does not get out a lot, does not take a lot of visits. Uh, the in-state school tried to get him on campus last weekend. He decided to stay home. So getting them there for the Kentucky game uh, was big for the University of Florida. I think Florida and Georgia are two schools that have kind of separated from the pack. Uh, he's mentioned schools like Florida State, went to Miami over the summer. He's mentioned Alabama, uh, LSU, numerous other schools. But I think right now, if I had to give you a top two, Josh, at the moment, uh, going into the middle of September, I like where Florida and Georgia are right now for Jordan Hall. Nice. Okay, let's go out to Texas. They also had a big visit weekend with Alabama coming to town. Um, we talked about Deuce Robinson heading into this one, the five-star tight end out of Arizona. 
Now, did I'm hearing that he did not make it in. Do you know what's going on with that visit? Yeah, obviously, you know, I've been out to Arizona numerous times over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. Always seems to be beautiful weather, but I guess Friday night, not so much in, in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. Pinnacle High School, number one tight end in the country, was set to play Friday, hop on a plane, fly to Austin, take a two-day OV to the University of Texas. Uh, they had a weather delay. The game got postponed, uh, ended up playing this weekend uh, instead of Friday night. So that definitely – uh, messed up his plans for the University of Texas. I have confirmed with Deuce uh, over the weekend on Sunday that he will reschedule the OV to the University of Texas. He's not sure when, uh, what weekend, what game, what time yet, but he does plan to get back to Texas. He has OV set to Alabama and Georgia, and he wants to add that Texas visit back to his plans later on this fall. All right. Good to know that it wasn't just a no-call, no-show. Texas fans, you know, they're still – in it for Deuce Robinson. Uh, there is big visit weekends like we talked about in Austin and in Gainesville, but both teams lost. However, it still kind of feels like it was effective for recruiting. Does an atmosphere like that, even in a loss, can that still help a program? Yeah, I think so, Josh. I mean, I think obviously, you know, both schools played hard. Florida came off a big win over Utah in week one, uh, fell to a good Kentucky team. They made mistakes and they weren't as sharp, especially on the offensive side of the ball uh, against Kentucky. But Texas showing up and, and really, you know, playing toe-to-toe -toe with, at the time, the number one team in the country in Alabama. Uh, I think that to me, is there really such a thing as moral victories? You know, in, in the real world, probably not. But in recruiting, seeing the buzz, the vibe, the atmosphere, the fans, I think more than anything for these recruits, seeing the improvement from year one to year two under Sark and that staff at Texas, I think really has put them in a good position with numerous guys or maybe had some questions about where's this program at in year two under Sark and that coaching staff. So I think – I don't think the loss hurt either team. I don't think it really hurt Florida in any way, but I do think it probably even helped the University of Texas. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, one program in Texas that suffered a devastating defeat was Texas A&M. Uh, they, they lost to App State, but this weekend, Miami Hurricanes are coming to town, and it looks like a loaded visitor list. Chad, I know we're going to talk about this on Thursday as we approach the weekend, but what are some big names that you're already hearing will be in College Station? Yeah, I mean, Jimbo's got a rebound this week against Miami coming in. I mean, losing to App State is huge for him and that program with all the momentum they had coming off the number one class in the country in 2022, but they want to build on that. They've got to rebound in a hurry against Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes. Like you said, it will be a loaded visitor list this weekend. You have a, official visitors we already knew about, like Jalen Hill, like Hakeem Williams, uh, but two guys I've confirmed over the weekend, another elite wide receiver, Jalen Brown, an LSU commit from Miami Gulliver Prep, and then Tony Mitchell, a five-star safety from Alabama, Thompson High School in Alabaster. Uh, he's been there numerous times. It'll be the first time for Brown in College Station. Uh, they have a lot of, I think, ground to make up to compete with LSU. Uh, speaking of Jalen Brown, with Mitchell, 
Things I think are very interesting there. He was there instead of Alabama in July. He'll be back in College Station this weekend. He still plans to take an official visit at some point in November or December to Texas A&M. So Tony Mitchell's definitely a kid I think A&M fans should keep a close eye on. All right, Chad. Well, we will talk to you more on Thursday about that and all the big developments that are coming up this weekend. Thanks for joining us on the Inside Scoop. Always my pleasure. Good stuff there from Chad Simmons. Now let's bring on our next guest, national recruiting analyst, Sam Spiegelman. Sam, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Can't complain. Great college football weekend, man. It was. It was a crazy weekend, and we are going to get into some of these recruiting developments. One guy that we talked about last week was four-star wide receiver Jalen Hale. Um, he is one of the best wide receivers in the country. He was at Texas this past weekend. And what are you hearing about that visit? Yeah, um, this is this has been kind of the, the visit that we've all had eyes on because Alabama made a significant move with him last week when they got him on campus. We spoke about this. Nick Saban, Miss Terry, the university president, all spending time with Jalen and his family. Um, now, Texas was a team that was trending with Hale throughout the summer. Um, he threw up the hook'em signs at Future 50. We all saw that. He's got a great relationship with five-star-plus quarterback Arch Manning and top 100 wide receiver Jonte Cook from DeSoto. Um, but this, this visit, according to people close to him, he was happy. He was smiling the entire game on Saturday. Texas versus Alabama lived up to the hype and then some. It was a fantastic atmosphere on the 40 acres, and he's, he was at Texas late on Sunday. Um, you know, he's still going to officially visit Texas A&M, but, but this is certainly becoming a two-team race. It has been a two-team race. Um, I like where Alabama sits. Yeah. Um, but I do Hold think on, Texas. Sam, you, you, you like where they sit because you put in an RPM last week for Alabama. Are you, are you still solid on that? I'm not betting against the tide just yet, but I do think, um, listen, Alabama jumped out in front. I think that they are the team to beat, but this, this is, this is moment. This is an opportunity for Texas. And I think that this is a, a chance to even things up. I think that he was there listening to the coaches. He's got a fantastic relationship with coach Marion Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best offensive minds in the country. Um, he's got family pull to, to Texas. Um, I can't be ignored for an in-state kid. Um, and the fact that, that Texas went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Alabama, the team that he, you know, he considers wide receiver U, is, is certainly worth, notable, worth noting. Well, that being said, he has this visit to Texas A&M next weekend. When do you think he's going to make a final decision? I think that a final decision will ultimately be made in the next coming days. I know that he's going to College Station this weekend. His former quarterback is is the starter for Texas A&M. Um, they have a big, big opportunity to to make up ground with with Jalen this weekend in town. But but I think that there is a true sense that it's Alabama or Texas for Jalen Hale. You know, this is A&M has been in it for a long way, but I think a decision will ultimately be made this week. Hmm. Interesting. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. Another one that we're keeping an eye on is Mikhail Harrison Pilot. Um, originally, when you put the RPM in for Jalen Hale to Alabama, you expected Texas to kind of turn up the heat for Harrison Pilot. He was at the game this past weekend. What are you hearing on him? Yeah, he, he said that he had a fantastic visit. I think this was a really big visit. Now, he did not go with his family. It was, it was just Mikhail um, around the, the Texas recruits, the Texas commitments. Um, he had only very encouraging things to say about the, the atmosphere, the, the conversations with the coaches. Texas has always been one of the cornerstone teams in, in McHale's recruitment. Um, with Oklahoma now completely out of the picture, 
Um, Texas has gained steam in a big way with McHale. Um, you know, this is one of the advantages of someone who wants to take his recruitment slow. You go with the ebbs and the flows. Um, and as the middle of September hits, I like where Texas stands. Their biggest competition is TCU. Um, and, and I think that this is going to open the door for some more visits to Texas. Um, a lot will obviously hinge on Hale's decision. Um, but Mikhail Harrison pilot in Texas right now is trending in the right direction. And it's a kid from just an hour up the road that we talked about can play both sides of the ball for them, contribute on special teams. Um, he's got a great relationship with not only the safeties coach, Blake Gideon, but spent a good amount of time with Brandon Mary and the wide receivers coach. And it seems like it's trending all, all things for Texas right now. So today's Monday. We've had a couple days since this Texas-Alabama matchup. Despite the loss, do you feel like Texas still made up ground on some of these recruits that they had on campus? Oh, my God. I mean, you know, you and I have both covered teams in the past, and you know that one game doesn't necessarily decide the decision of a, of a four-star recruit. Um, but it, when you go toe-to-toe with Alabama, that's the, the consensus number one team in the country, a team that is, you know, competing, if not number one, every single year. And Texas looked at, like they should, they belonged on the field. And that, that's a that's a big stepping stone for Steve Sarkeesian with, with recruits not only in the state of Texas, but around the country. Um, he's already has that reputation as a great offensive mind, but it's about the, the defense stepping up and um, the offense being able to, to make plays when they needed to. And they went through a quarterback injury. Hudson Card was playing injured, and they were still rocking with Alabama. I think the, the kids noticed that um, as much as the fans noticed that. And, and you can't, again, you can't build anything off of one game sample size, but if Texas is this competitive against the number one team in the country, uh, this, this, everything is pointing up for that program and, and where they're heading with the way they're recruiting and the guys that they're getting on campus and on this roster. All right, let's go to the boot. LSU gets back on track. They get a win this past week, and they also hosted some big time recruits. Um, one of them was JV and Toviano. What are you hearing there? You got some scoop for me? Yeah, this is, you know, JV and Toviano is about as uh, mysterious of a recruit as I think we can put him in the same category as, as Arch Manning. It's, you know, whatever you hear on him, you need to take with a grain of salt. He keeps everything very close to the vest. Everything he says is very calculated. Um, so you're reading between the lines, you're asking around. Um, and the sense is that, you know, and, and again, a recruitment that was maybe heading in-state during the summer, it seems to be heading out of state um, as the calendar flips to September. Uh, the two teams that I'm hearing that, that might be ahead for JV and or is LSU and, and is the other Um Now, he, he chose to be at LSU on Saturday for the Southern game. It was a night game in Baton Rouge. Um, you have to remember that he also visited the, the Bash in July. Um, those were two opportunities that, that many felt that he would end at either Austin and Baton Rouge, both those occasions. Um, close to JV and think that he's not too far off from a decision. Um, personally, I don't feel confident enough to pick a team for him. Um, I don't think anyone would feel that confident or crazy enough to pick a team for JV at this point. But I do think his recruitment is slowly winding down. And I do think LSU getting him on campus, another big opportunity for Robert Steeples and Kerry Cooks. Um, I do think LSU is sitting in a better spot than most people realize. And I do think ultimately he is leaning out of state at this point. Hmm. Do you know a decision timeline for him? Man, it, it could be any. It could be any day. I think Javian will tip us off and and let us know. But at the same time, he's he's someone who's so calculated and and so mysterious. He could he could pop tomorrow, and I don't think I think all of us would be caught off guard. All right, the number one edge rusher in the twenty twenty four class. He was at LSU over the weekend. Colin Simmons. 
Uh, tell me about him. Did he enjoy the trip and where did things stand? Yeah, this this was an interesting saga. You know, he's the number one edge in the country on the on three consensus. And I have an early RPM in favor of LSU. And that was put in over the summer. Um, you know, I got to catch up with Colin right around September 1st. And, and he was trying to get to Georgia. He was trying to get to LSU and he was trying to get to Texas for this Alabama game over the weekend. Ultimately, he ended up making a midweek change to go visit Baton Rouge, which, you know, Texas versus Alabama at the 40 acres or LSU versus Southern in, in Baton Rouge. And, and he was at LSU. He spent a great amount of time with LSU's number 18, BJ Adjulari. Um, I'm told that those two have, have really kind of hit it off. And, you know, that's an out-of-state kid that went from Georgia to LSU and is having a ton of success wearing number 18 for the Tigers. And uh, all signs point to another really, a really strong visit for, for Colin Simmons at LSU. I like where they stand. I feel good about my RPM in favor of the Tigers. Now, is a kid from Duncanville, Texas. Texas isn't going anywhere. A&M isn't going anywhere. Georgia and Oklahoma aren't going anywhere. Um, but early on, I really do like where the LSU stands. They're off to make a big splash in the state of Texas for 2024. It's just the way that um, talent is in that state. It's, it's through the roof. And you compare it to, uh, for the number one edge in the country. You have to like where LSU stands. A long way to go. But this visit, you know, certainly up their, their chances a good bit. Yeah. Let's stay in the state of Texas when it comes to 2024 top targets. One of the ones that we talk about all the time on this show is DJ Lagway, top 20 quarterback on the on three consensus. Uh, he was in Gainesville over the weekend. Another great game. The Gators didn't come out on top. But how did DJ Lagway enjoy his visit to Gainesville? I think he soaked it up and I think he enjoyed every minute of it. Um, you know, this this turned out that this was his first college visit of the fall. Like I think we spoke about um, he was supposed to get to A&M, but he got a little dinged up and that opened the door for him to go see Anthony Richardson up close, which was which is certainly on his bucket list um, for the fall. Some of the quarterbacks that he really wanted to see included Anthony Richardson and he wanted to see what Billy Napier and Rob Sales offense looked like. He wanted to spend more time with Ryan O'Hara and all things considered, even in a loss, I would consider this a win for Billy Napier and the Gators. Um, he spent a great amount of time with Florida's head coach. And like we said, one game doesn't really decide a, a kid's recruitment. Um, the fans at the Swamp showed, showed, showed DJ a ton of love, and, and he picked up on that. You could really sense that in his voice from recapping the visit. Um, I think it's a big sign for Florida because I think they were, are one of the four or five teams in the best position to ultimately land DJ when he makes his decision next spring. Um, it also opens the door for Texas A&M to host DJ this weekend, which will be another critical visit as he trying to decides who are the real contenders and who are not the real contenders. You said there's about four or five teams in there contending for DJ Lagway. Besides Florida and Texas A&M, who are some of the other contenders? Definitely Oklahoma. Um, Coach Venables and, and Coach Levy have done a fantastic job with DJ. Dabo Sweeney has done a fantastic job with, with, with DJ and his family connecting on a different level. Um, Lincoln Riley has probably forged one of the better relationships with DJ and his father and his entire family at this stage. Um, and also LSU, Brian Kelly and Joe Sloan and Mike Denbrock have, have gotten DJ on campus a few times. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an unofficial top five or six at this point, but ultimately he's going to take five OVs in the spring. Um, so one of these teams is not going to make the cut, which is why these fall visits loom so large. Right. Thursday, we talked about you hitting the road, going to see some prospects in the state of Louisiana. Give us the scoop from that tour. Yeah, I got to see Caleb Jackson on Thursday. I showed up. 
And uh, he was wearing a walking boot, so that was really unfortunate. I think he's one of the better backs in the country. He's a top 10 back on the on three consensus. Um, he's committed to LSU, but we talked about Florida with that week one victory um, over Utah. They the, the Florida coaches were hitting the phone lines recruiting after that game, and um, Caleb Jackson is, is expected to take an official visit to Florida at some point this fall now. Um, and when Caleb Jackson committed to LSU, he did so over Alabama and A&M. He's already taken a summer official visit to A&M, um, but he's likely to get back to campus at some point this fall for a game. Tommy Robinson has not given up on Caleb Jackson. Um, he was recruiting him while he was on the LSU staff a few years ago. So ultimately, he's got two more SEC visits on tap. Um, another committed prospect expected to make some visits is Jai Eugene Jr., the son of former LSU defensive back Jai Eugene. Um, committed to Tulane with a couple of his Destrahan teammates last month, um, which is just colossal for Willie Fritz and, and locally here in, in New Orleans to get a, a kid, a Power 5 athlete like Jai Eugene Jr. Um, like I said, Power 5, schools like Michigan and Texas are both going to get Jai Eugene on campus for official visits this fall. Um, and we'll see how those boards shake out because I could see both of them, if not one of them, offering. And you know, Tulane's going to have uh, have its hands full trying to keep you, Jai Eugene on board by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, it sounds like it. All right, well, we'll, we'll keep an eye on him and all the new developments there. But, Sam, thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you again on Thursday. Thanks for having me, Josh. All right, see ya. And now we are back. We have Charles Power on three, Director of Scouting and Rankings. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, yeah. good to see you. Uh, you were in the L.A. area over the weekend going to see on three, number two overall player, Nico Imaliava in action. What did you think? Yeah, so this is my first time seeing Nico in person since the summer at OT7, 7-on-7 uh, seven seven tournament. So first time seeing him, you know, uh, in pads as a senior. Um, you know, it was, it was an interesting game. Uh, you know, first off, uh, the weather was weather was weird. We kind of got the remnants of Hurricane K, which you, you don't really expect to get rained on when you go to a high school game in Los Angeles, but that's, that definitely happened. Um, it was a tough opponent. It was Gardena Serra High School, a school that has you know three Power Five DBs. Um, two of them played in the game. One of them got hurt, but it was it was a, it was a tough game for Nico. Uh, they, they lost 16 to 13. I think. You know, going to see him in person first off, you know, kind of starting with the positives. Uh, this guy, he is very physically talented, um, you know, immensely physically talented. You can kind of just see that in warm-ups. You know, I've seen most of these top quarterbacks over the past several months, um, dating back to the summer camp circuit, and, and he can do things with the football that a lot of the other top quarterbacks can't do, right? I mean, he's mobile, uh, and the ball just pops out of his hand. Um, you know, seeing him in, in the context of the game, I think – it, it kind of highlighted, um, you know, uh, his strengths with, with the physical ability, and then areas for improvement too. Um, you, you know, he he had a, a really nice deep ball uh, early in the game, uh, had a rushing touchdown, uh, but but then going up, going up against a tough defense, you kind of see some some areas where he could get better. Um, you know, timing with his receivers, uh, a lot of like pressure and um, dealing with stuff like that, and and then and then too, you know, I, I think the the team that they played, Sarah. Um, had, had a really good plan for their offense too. I mean, I was on the sidelines of, for both teams and got to kind of hear what they were saying. And they, 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 they kind of, I think the other team kind of knew what was coming a lot of the time. So, but it was, you know, got to see him handle some adversity, 
left the game for a little bit. He had a, a pretty nasty cut on his ear and came back and showed some toughness. And I actually got to talk to him after the game too. And I think he showed some maturity and, um, you know, with, with just how he handled the whole, the whole deal. So, um, you know, it was, it, it was good to see him. And, you know, obviously I saw Arch Manning last week. So getting to see those top two quarterbacks, overall prospects for on three was, I think, pretty informative of where things stand right now. And it was, I guess it was, a, you know, a good uh, opportunity to, to see him. Yeah. So having seen the two in back-to-back weeks, how do you compare and contrast them? Yeah, I, it's 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 interesting. Um, you know, they, our top two quarterbacks they they don't play at powerhouse programs. I think back to like we were looking at Bryce Young and DJ Uyunglele. They played at Modern Day and St. John Bosco. They were putting up crazy stats. That's not really the case with with these two. I, I think they're both very talented. Uh, they both bring a little something different to the table. I think um, Arch Manning is probably a little more a little more polished. Um, Nico has the immense physical upside, um, but they both ha- have the tools to to be top you know, prospects, top overall um, players. And, and I think they've continued to show that. But, but there are, it's, it's not like necessarily a slam dunk in that they're both dominant high school players at this time. I think it requires a little bit of projection when you look at them. But the physical skill set and, uh, and, and tools are certainly there for, for those two. Seeing Nico in person, what were some of the attributes that make him a five-star for on three? Yeah, I mean, he, he is, like, like I, I've seen enough of these quarterbacks over the years where you kind of, you know, you're not always like surprised when you when you see them. Um, you know, when you see them in person. But he's a guy that has has a wow factor when, when you're just watching him throw the football around, right? And and I, getting to see him in the summer, I think over the course of the summer, I was, you know, traveling uh, most of the month of June uh, into July at, at all these events. And his performance at the OT seven seven on seven tournament, which really was probably the most loaded uh, off season event that we've had since you know, the, the opening two, two or three years ago, he was the best player and maybe overall prospect at that event. I mean, just completely dominant in that setting. Um, you know, he, he's not quite as prolific at the high school level. And I think that's, you know, he's a guy who's only played maybe 12, 13 varsity games going, right. going into the season because he had a shortened sophomore year because of COVID. Uh, California played a, a four-game schedule uh, in the spring of 2021. So I think he's still got some, you know, some area to imp- improve as, you know, a, a player in pads and just kind of get, getting those banked experiences as a quarterback. You know, quarterback to me is a performance craft and it's something that you really get better off with, with, with experience. And I think Nico's really going to benefit uh, from playing his senior year and kind of adding that, you know, just, just those live in-game reps. Um, but, you know, the, the physical talent is there. He's got a really quick arm. The ball pops out of his hand. And he's, a, like, he's an accurate quarterback, too. If you see him in the seven-on-seven seven setting and just, you know, kind of he, – he can hit, he can hit uh, you know, an, an open receiver for sure, and, and that's not an issue. I think the main thing is just, you know, just getting, getting used to seeing live defenses, you know, dealing with pressure, getting on the same page with his, mm-hmm. with his receivers. But the physical talent is, is immense for sure. All right. Thank you, Charles. Uh, I know you're going to be back on the road. Who's the next big-time target you want to see? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, right now we're kind of drilling down on rankings, um, you know, g- getting ready for that stuff. And, and really, I mean, I, I typically don't go on the road a ton um, because it's just really efficient for me to watch a bunch of games on on video. I had to go see these guys. I had to go see these two in person. These guys really called for it. So we wanted to kind of get that done early in the season. But, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. All right. Thank you, Charles. And that is it for Monday's Inside Scoop. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Newberg. And go follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to the On3 page. Thank you guys very much. More of the Inside Scoop coming on Thursday.